Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. There is absolutely no doubt that the top story in America is this shooting that took place on the set of the movie Rust with Alec Baldwin. We're going to get into it. Guy Relford, Second Amendment lawyer, breaking down what has happened, gun safety, what are the legal ramifications from both a civil and criminal perspective. How did Alec Baldwin get this gun is a question. It was a prop. How in the world are you firing anything? And you're firing and hitting and killing the cinematographer. You're injuring the director. They're not part of a scene. Lots of questions. I'm not saying that it isn't a serious subject. And there's going to be a whole conversation about gun safety that goes on. And the people who most attack firearms know the very least about how to handle them. But it isn't actually the top story in America. The top story in America, well, maybe I should say amongst the top stories, was this town hall that Joe Biden did yesterday where he said things like this. The highest tax rate is 35%, number one, okay? Number two, you're in a circumstance where corporate America is not paying their fair share. And I come from the corporate state of the world, Delaware. More corporations in Delaware than every other state in the union combined, okay? Now, here's the deal, though. You have 55 corporations, for example, in the United States of America making over $40 billion. Don't pay a cent. Not a single little red cent. Now, I don't care. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a capitalist. I hope you can be a millionaire or a billionaire. I, not a problem. But at least pay your fair share. Chip in a little bit. The fair share line continues to be pushed by these people. And if you think Joe Biden is a capitalist, you're out of your head. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. That is the number. What is it in Biden's economy that's working for you, the business owner? What is it about Biden's economy that is working for you? 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. 55 corporations making over $40 billion a year don't pay a cent in taxes. What are the odds they don't pay anything in taxes? What, what does that even mean? They don't pay anything in taxes. You mean all up and down the chain, their supply chains, or anything else they do, they're not paying any taxes? Whatever corporate headquarters they have, they're not paying any taxes? What is the argument here? Well, it's the same exact argument that is about fair share. Fair share is about emotions. Fair share is about feeling. I don't actually care what Joe Biden thinks is fair. I want taxes to be as low as possible for everybody. Now, when it comes to the income tax, I would just get rid of the income tax. And I'm pretty sure that the top rate of the income tax is 37%, not 35%. But I would get rid of the income tax, the federal income tax altogether. What an absolute disaster this has been over the last hundred some odd years. But it's lines like these that make it harder and harder and harder for the Biden administration to get their message out. And it's events like last night that make it harder and harder and harder for the Biden administration in general. 
They are on cleanup duty from Joe Biden's appearance on CNN for this town hall. And this was just one of the many things that he said. You're like, what are you talking about? Here was a question asked to him about immigration. Topics. Uh, I want to bring in Megan Crawford from Towson, Maryland. She's a law student at the University of Baltimore and a Republican. Megan, welcome. Throughout your campaign, you've criticized former President Trump for his treatment of illegal immigrants and the southern border. Given that it's nearly been a year into your campaign, why haven't you been to the southern border of our country? And why did your stance on allowing immigrants suddenly revert to Trump-era policies? Well, they're legitimate questions. Number one, um, the Remain in Mexico policy, which I oppose, the court said I had to maintain it. So we're repealing it. That's one of the reasons why we haven't changed it. We have made a gigantic change. There were over 5,000 children, children in in the in in the custody of the border patrol they're now 504 we are making more progress than you think and we have a circumstance where one of the things that is going to bear fruit i believe is i put together a program i was a senator and the vice president helping help initiate it now where we provide for funding to change the circumstances on the ground in the countries in Central America. For example, you're in a circumstance where, you know, people don't just sit around the, their their hand you table and say, I got a great idea. Let's sell everything we have, give it to a coyote, let them take us across the border, drop us in the desert, place they don't want us. Won't that be fun? People do it because they're desperate. They're desperate. And what I've been trying to do and I'm trying to do in this legislation as well is get funding so we have funding for immigration officers to be able to hear cases immediately of whether or not they justify having asylum granted to them. We don't have that. If you want to make an argument that we should be doing more to help people stay in their own countries, absolutely positively fine. But that shouldn't be about giving money. That should be about investment and creating jobs. The more jobs you create in Central America, the less people need to uh, head north. And then you can help create further stability in the region that will deal with cartels and other issues. I'm down with that. But listen to that ending right there. Immigration officers to be able to hear cases immediately of whether or not they justify having asylum granted to them. We don't have that. No, 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 and no. The answer is not let's do more hiring in the public sector to make it easier for people to get into the country because they're taught how to lie at the border. You actually engage for that one moment a conversation that could have been valuable. Well, I had to keep the Remain in Mexico policy because the court said I had to keep the Remain in Mexico policy. We're going to have to repeal it another way. He still wants to repeal it, so he still hasn't learned his lesson about the border. But if you want to talk about a smart border, you would be talking about how to tell people not to come to the United States illegally. And he still hasn't done that. Still hasn't done that. It was during this town hall that he was asked if he would consider having National Guardsmen drive trucks to make up for the lack of truckers. And Biden's like, yeah. And that he had a timetable to solve the crisis.
I had a timetable for, well, first of all, I want to get the ports up and running. And he said he had commitments from Walmart and other companies like UPS and FedEx to run 24-7 operations. Well, that doesn't matter. And a White House official has now said we are not actively pursuing the use of the National Guard on a federal level. So he lied in this town hall. Then, of course, there was uh, the super fantastic line that Joe Biden doesn't think that, you know, freedom is worth very much. The two things that concern me, one are those who just try to make this a political issue, freedom. I have the freedom to kill you with my COVID. No, I mean, come on, freedom. Number one. Number two, the second one is that... Uh, Wait, you know, before the- we get to the second one, holy crap. No wonder the White House is on cleanup. Walking back, taking back statements from the president. Listen to how ugly this is. One are those who just try to make this a political issue. Freedom. I have the freedom to kill you with my COVID. No, I mean, come on, freedom. And this look of disgust on his face. When you hear an American president say, come on, freedom. Freedom. An American president. The very concept of mandates. We should be opposed to mandates. But he loves mandates. He thinks that the mandates are doing great work, providing absolutely positively fantastic value. He thinks that the mandates are doing incredibly well to keep us safe. And he, he, he didn't want to do mandates. He, he didn't want to engage mandates, but, you know, he, uh, he, he had to. Uh, Mr. President, let me ask you a follow about that. As, as many as, as one in three emergency responders in some cities like Chicago, Los Angeles, right here in Baltimore, are refusing to comply with city vaccine mandates. I'm wondering where you stand on that. Should police officers, emergency responders be mandated to get vaccines? And if not, should they be stay at home or let go? Yes and yes. Uh- his support of mandates, where he said, you know, I didn't want to start off with mandates, but nothing else worked. But he told us before he ran for office that he didn't believe in mandates. So obviously he was there in it, down with it, cool with it from the beginning, and then found his opportunity. And now he's okay with seeing firefighters and cops off the job. Will he send in the National Guard to do their job too? I thought we were going to have the National Guard being nurses, as if somehow we'd be better off without the nurses. But let's go back to that other clip really quick because there's a part two there. There's a part two to that clip where he's joking about freedom. He, like he cares about freedom. Are those who just try to make this a political issue. Freedom. I have the freedom to kill you with my COVID. I have the freedom to kill you with my COVID. Now, I'm surprised I have not heard anybody walking this one back. If you are vaccinated, you can still spread COVID. If you're vaccinated, you can still get COVID. 
The only thing the vaccine does is lessen the symptoms you have if you contract COVID. That's what it does. And it does it rather well according to the sources. Doctors that I know. There are also some issues that have come up regarding the vaccine itself, like there would with any vaccine. But there's a uniqueness in this conversation that comes from the Department of Labor and OSHA. Representative Thomas Massey tweeted this out. The Department of Labor and OSHA, as well as other federal agencies, this is from from OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. They are the ones who are going to write the rule about COVID vaccines for companies that have more than 100 employees. OSHA, as well as other federal agencies, are working diligently to encourage COVID-19 vaccinations. OSHA does not wish to have any appearance of discouraging workers from receiving COVID-19 vaccinations and also does not wish to disincentivize employers' vaccine efforts. As a result, OSHA will not enforce 29 CFR 1904's recording requirement to require any employers to record worker side effects from COVID-19 vaccination at least through May of 2022. So OSHA is saying that if you should have or someone should have a side effect from a vaccine you have mandated, don't even tell us. We don't want to know. Because if we get too many of those, it may hurt us in our ability to force vaccines on the people. I'm fine with vaccines. This is insane. And this gets backed up by a president of the United States who thinks that getting a COVID vaccine will stop you from getting COVID. Listen to this line again. One are those who just try to make this a political issue. Freedom. I have the freedom to kill you with my COVID. COVID is not stopped by a vaccine. And that's the argument he's making right there. That's the argument. And he's mocking while he does it. He doesn't know the science. He doesn't know the history. He doesn't know the story. He doesn't even know where he is, possibly. It's obscene. And this town hall will be forgotten about when some things got said in here that are absolutely horrific, of course, for me, the the best line. The best line is when he's asked about China and standing up for Taiwan. Oh, this is great. Depends. Let me bring, let me bring in uh, Glenn Niblo, a student at Loyola University, originally from Connecticut. He's a Republican. Glenn, welcome. Uh, where in Connecticut are you from? Uh, Greenwich. Uh, China just tested a hypersonic missile. What will you do to keep up with them militarily, and can you vow to protect Taiwan? Yes and yes. We are. Yes and yes. Well, first, the the first question wasn't a yes, no. It's what will you do? You're going to vow to protect Taiwan? You're going to vow? Really? We just saw what you did in Afghanistan, and you're going to stand there and vow to protect Taiwan. China's already said, and I'm quoting, Chinese sovereignty is a Chinese issue, and we will not listen to anybody about it. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. That's basically what they said. Who believes him? The cleanup the White House is doing doesn't even address some of these bigger points. 
where he clearly doesn't know what a vaccine does, clearly doesn't understand how COVID spreads, and doesn't understand that his credibility on the foreign stage, on the world stage, is shot. And China knows it. I think I'd be pushing it if I thought China was going to try and take Taiwan in 2021. I would have absolutely no doubt that it happens in 2022. And I have absolutely no doubt that America won't be there to do the job. I take that back. Biden won't be there to do the job. But he just made the commitment. We'll see how that changes or if that gets walked back as well. I'm Tony Katz. So that mansion story turns out to be half true. The reporting was from the very liberal outfit, Mother Jones. David Korn was doing the reporting. That mansion has said, I'll, I'll leave the Democratic Party. I'll, be, I'll, I'll call myself an American independent. And then the, the mansion people responded. Joe Manchin responded, the senator from West Virginia, by saying that that's BS. Of course, it's Joe Manchin that's opposed to the spending. There was supposedly a screaming fight yesterday behind closed doors between Manchin and Bernie Sanders. And what he's saying is, look, one and a half trillion. That's my that's where I'm at. Do it for one and a half trillion. I'll do it. This is the infrastructure bill that is an infrastructure. And now they're kind of splitting it up a little bit and referring to it as social spending. I mean, at least they're being more honest about what it is. He's like, I won't do it. I don't want any part of this. As him and Bernie Sanders screaming and yelling and carrying on, and people came out of the meeting and said, Ooh, that was a very vigorous debate. <laughs> a very vigorous debate. And his point is, Manchin's point is, if you think I'm an embarrassment to my Democratic colleagues, my caucus, the president being the Democratic leader of the Democratic Party, Chuck Schumer and all of them, I said me being, a, this is him saying, me being a moderate centrist Democrat, if that causes you a problem, let me know, and I'd switch to being an independent. But I'd still be caucusing with the Democrats. The fact that I'll still caucus with the Democrats is the problem. Because if you still caucus with the Democrats, you're still keeping the Democrats in charge. So this whole thing doesn't mean anything. If he's not willing to stand on his own and force the Democrats to work with him to get him to caucus, then we, then we don't care. Rational people don't care. And he'll still do $1.5 trillion worth of social spending. Green New Deal, this, that, and the other. Remember, it's the left. Once they get that passed, they'll say, okay, now let's do it again. Now let's do it again. Now let's do it again. Now they, they don't stop. The ideology doesn't stop finding ways to spend your money. This is Tony Katz today. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. So it seems pretty obvious from yesterday's testimony with Merrick Garland that he took his marching orders on going after parents from the National School Board Association. It seems pretty obvious to anybody who's watching, anybody who's paying attention, that Merrick Garland said, well, the school board sent us a letter 
and 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 they said that they were being uh, treated very, very, very not so nice. So we decided not to do any kind of investigation. What was what was the point of 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 that? That wasn't necessary. And uh, and, and we'll we'll just uh, we'll just decide they're uh, they're uh, really uh, super bad people. They're just really super bad people, and uh, that'll be the end of it. And uh, we didn't have to investigate. Congressman Jim Jordan, why do you ask? First sentence of your memo, very first first sentence, you said, in recent months there's been a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, threats of violence. Yes. When did you first review the data showing this so-called disturbing uptick? So I read the letter, and we have been seeing over time threats. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't ask you. So you read the letter. That's, That's your source? So let me be clear. This is not a prosecution or an Is there some study, some effort, some investigation someone did that said there's been a disturbing uptick, or you just take the words of the National School Board Association? Well, the National School Board Association, which represents thousands of school boards and school board members, says that there are these kind of threats. When we read in the newspapers reports of threats of violence, when that is in the context of threats of violence, but the source all- for this, for the very first line in your in your mouth, time of the gentleman has expired. Was the school the board association the letter expired, Mr. Deutsch? Yeah, you might want to move along there very quickly, uh, Gerald Nadler, because Jim Jordan just got Merrick Garland to say, "Well, they wrote a letter, and that was enough for us." He has no proof. He has no data. He has the school board. And that is it. Nothing else. He's got nothing else. That's something. The people who don't have faith in uh, the attorney general, those people are absolutely positively right. And and the whole thing started, we shared some of it yesterday with Steve Chabot of Ohio, who did a very good job in dispatching with the attorney general's nonsense towards parents regarding schools. And that an op-ed that appeared uh, in last week's Wall Street Journal by the author of the Patriot Act, Mr. Sensenbrenner, former chairman of this committee, entitled uh, The Patriot Act Wasn't Meant to Target Parents Be Entered into the Record. That objection. Thank you. Mr. Attorney General, uh, most of us had other jobs before uh, we got here to Congress. For example, I practiced law for quite a few years. Um, I was a county commissioner. I was a member of Cincinnati City Council. And before that, I was a school teacher in Cincinnati, in the inner city. Uh, All the students in the school were African-American, and I taught the seventh and eighth grade. Um, It was my experience that the kids who did the best uh, were the ones who had parental involvement uh, in their education. Does that make sense to you? Yes, I think parental involvement is very important in education. Thank you. Now, with with that in mind, having parents involved in their children's education, um, I have to say I found it deeply disturbing. It's important to have parents involved in education. Getting them on the record on that, extremely important to do. It is imperative, imperative, that parents do not stop. Do not stop. Just like we should not be stopping on some of the nonsense that comes out of the White House. You know, I was talking about this earlier. They still want you to believe that the price tag for their, their social spending bill, whether it's $1.9 trillion or $2.1 trillion or $1.5 trillion, they want you to believe that it's zero. 
We are being uh, honest with the American people. We are being proper. No, it, it, it is. We are. We, it is costing. Uh, it is going to bring zero dollars to the to the deficit, and we're being very clear about that because that's what we want to make sure that we're doing right. Because here, once again, we have had people who have been left behind after this after this uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic that we've been living in for a year and a half. We saw even more more severely how 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 much people have been left behind, and not just been from the COVID. I mean, before then, uh, people, middle class people, working people have been not part of the economy. And now we want to deal them back in. It's been a long time since we did that. The president talked about that when he was in Scranton, Pennsylvania yesterday. He's going to talk about that, take questions uh, from everyday people today uh, at the CNN town hall, which he's very much looking forward to. And he'll probably be asked that question and he'll answer it as well tonight. So for yeah, it's the cost, cost, but it's not to the death, doesn't raise the deficit, these things we do. The price tag for this legislation, Peter, is $0. She's just lying through her teeth. That is the deputy press secretary uh, right there, Corrine Jean-Pierre. It's not $0. I don't know why there is this fascination with lying to Americans like this. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about here. This was a uh, it was a tweet that was sent out uh, actually by by a friend, Kelly Marr, who is bright. Kelly Marr is is bright and fun, interesting, interesting person. And she sends out a tweet uh, that says, um, "Dang, these shelves are empty." These shelves are pretty dang empty. Yet Reuters, and it, it shows that the, basically the milk is missing. My wife sent me a little video yesterday. Settle down, producer Ari. And Come on, man. I'm just making sure you don't get ahead of yourself. You got to be respectful. We're talking about my wife here. It is of the empty or near empty paper towel, toilet paper aisle. It's crazy. It's empty again, and this this isn't hoarding as much as it is supply chain or a mix of both. But Reuters has a piece, fact check, images do not show empty shelves in U.S. supermarkets in October of 2021. Go take a picture of your empty shelves and post them. There are hashtags, Biden empty shelves and bare shelves Biden. I did not know that. I didn't know there were hashtags. But who in the world doesn't think these things are happening? Of course they are happening. Every rational person out there knows it, sees it, is witnessing it. So why would anybody say otherwise? You know this is going to cost the American people. Why would you say otherwise? Why would you lie? And the answer is, what else are they going to do? What else? What else are they going to do? They are not willing to deal with, well, here's our situation. Here's how we get out of it. I thought CNBC had a nice little... Uh, uh, Right up here, and before I get to that, this, the Supreme Court is going to hear a challenge to Texas abortion law. That just came out. 
They are going to hear a challenge to the law that bans most abortions uh, after six weeks of pregnancy. But it's interesting the Texas law was able to be upheld and the Supreme Court said it could because the enforcement does not come from the state. It comes from individuals who can sue you for getting an abortion. I agree. That's a little bit weird. Nope, 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 not a little bit. That's a lot and totally weird. However, I think that the people who now want this challenge have finally got what they want. And what they wanted, what they wanted was to be able to make a challenge to Roe v. Wade. Now, I got to read the case. We all have to take a look at it and see if this is where it fits. Is it about this Texas uh, bill or, or law specifically, or will it allow itself a more generalized concept? They wanted it. They're going to get the fight. This court's going to take it? Well, let's go, let's go, let's go. If the court overturns Roe v. Wade, and the leftists so angry storm the Supreme Court, will it be called an insurrection? I'm asking the question now, so with when then comes, will you be like, remember when we asked that question? Then? Well, here it is now. What are we going to say? Let's go back to the six reasons why Americans aren't returning to work. It was an interesting write-up from CNBC, and one of them goes along with something that Joe Biden said. He said the repeat reason people aren't going back to work he said this in his town hall last night, COVID. We've created more jobs in the first eight months of my administration than any president in American history. Stop lying, you lunatic. Hold on, I'm sorry, I want to play this for you. But that's not true. Letting people go back to their job is not creating jobs. Just like this, this $1.5 trillion or $1.9 trillion or $2.1 trillion or whatever they decide to spend, this social spending bill, Of course it's going to add to the debt. Joe Biden did not create 5 million new jobs. It's it's embarrassing. Total number of jobs created. But the problem for the people not going back to work is twofold. Number one, they're reluctant to go back to work because they're afraid of COVID, many of them. So they don't want to go back and they don't want to be exposed either to their customers because they're not required to wear masks or not required to have shots, or they don't want to go back because they're not sure the people waiting on them in the, in, in the, at the table or the people coming up in the food market. They're, so a lot of it has to do with COVID, number one. Number two, and that, that's why... You know, we were able to go from when I first got elected, when I first was elected, there were only 2 million people who had COVID shots in the United States of America, had the vaccine. Now we got 190 million. Is this embarrassing? The vaccine had just gotten out and Trump made that happen when your side said it could never happen and people shouldn't trust it. So, of course, only 2 million people got vaccinated. You weren't going to have we, we, we don't What? Everyone knows that you're lying Only in D.C. Only in the D.C. Beltway Could that be seen as a rational argument This is pathetic But even CNBC, even CNBC recognizes that maybe COVID is keeping people from going back to work because they don't feel safe. How about the idea of early retirement? Same mathematics applies. 
I'm done here. I don't want to be part of this anymore. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to see these people. You know what? I'm done. This is it. This is it, is it, is it. Compared to two years ago, there were 3.6 million more people out of the labor force in September who indicated they don't want a job right now. And there's an assumption that they may never come back. Concepts of care responsibilities. You have someone elderly who really now needs your help as the boomers get older. You've got your kids who may be in and out of school. You don't feel safe about things. The, you've, you've got COVID issues. There. Oh, I'm just going to keep them home. All right, I'm staying home. That could absolutely have something to do with it. When we took a look at the labor shortage, there was an economist in Indiana who said, this won't be an issue in October. And it won't be an issue because kids will go back to work. I mean, kids will go back to school. Parents will go back to work and boom, it'll be over. And I said, that's an interesting take. Let's see what happens. It's still a problem. They haven't gone back to work. They've gone back to school in most every case, but they haven't gone back to work. Then there's the conversation of savings. If people were able to save more because they were at home for over a year, not buying Starbucks for $150 a pop or whatever it is, not going out to eat every meal, not going out to dinners, not going to concerts here, there, and the other way. They had a lot more cash. They saved it. Now they're, they're, they're using it, enjoying it, taking a little more time. They discussed wages going up. Joe Biden is so happy that people are now spending more for employees. But he created the situation where the private sector was fighting the government in regards to money. You were paying people to stay home. Wages have gone up uh, more than a dollar an hour across all sectors. In leisure and hospitality, it's up 11% to 1895 an hour. But they still can't find people. More people want to try and work at home, do something digitally, do something remotely. Why should I go into a place? Why should I be around people? And, of course, you have the fear factor from people like Joe Biden who want to lie about how you spread COVID. Oh, the non-vaccinated spreading COVID. Oh, you don't want to be around them. And then people don't go to restaurants and bars. And they're not coming back to work at restaurants and bars. And there aren't enough people uh, to, to support those who are going to the restaurants and bars. It's an ugly scene. This all takes time. I get that. Fully aware. Fully, fully, fully get that. But if the administration doesn't understand how they've been working against the American people and the American business owner. That's why when Joe Biden says, I'm a capitalist, you could have fooled Midwest Main Street. That much is for sure. I'm Tony Katz. Don't worry, I'm going to get into Dr. Fauci lying. Because that guy lied! I'm also going to talk to Congressman Jim Banks from the Indiana 3rd. Uh, he heads up the Republican Study Committee about what happened with Steve Bannon and the vote to hold him in criminal contempt. What does he think of it? Because he led the fight against it. And I'm going to get into what's going on with this shooting on this movie set. This is a crazy story because... Stunt guys and the people who work like the firearms, they're serious people. They don't make mistakes like this. So what was it them? Was it something else? What happened here? And how does Alec Baldwin end up pointing a gun at his director and cinematographer? 
right? When I first heard the story, I didn't know what was going on. Did something accidentally happen? Like it was handed to him and then boom, like did something go wrong? Maybe it was pointed at, good Lord. What are the legal ramifications, criminal uh, and, and civil? So Guy Relford, uh, known as the gun guy on 93.1 FM WIBC, he will be talking to us, kind of breaking that down. But don't forget that, that a woman died, and that's another person is injured. The director is injured, and I certainly hope he's going to be all right. This is it's an ugly story. Alec Baldwin is an ugly guy. I'm not saying no. And there should be a real question asked by, about why that guy is still allowed to do movies. I mean, he's still bankable? All the awful, disgusting things he has said and done? Okay. If I said and did those things, I wouldn't be on radio anymore. But someone is dead, and the whole story is insane and getting stranger by the second. Facebook Tony Katz Radio, guys. Be sure to like the page. Instagram Tony Katz. Come say hello. This is Tony Katz today.